Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Our focus today is at the crossroads where social media and journalism meet. It's brought to the fore by Facebook's recent decision to change its news feeds to reduce bogus news. I sat down yesterday with Lindsay Toller, St. Louis Public Radio engagement producer, and Amber Hinesley, Associate Professor of Communication at St. Louis University. I began by asking Amber how we got to the current intersection of social media and journalism. These changes at Facebook with the new policy that they've debuted didn't come out of nowhere. We had a few years ago, Facebook debuted the trending topics that we still see if you pull up your Facebook feed and you see that on the right-hand side. Um, what was happening then was that they had actual people deciding what were the trending topics, and they were looking um, at the logarithms that Facebook had um, and what was being shared and searched, And but it was people making those decisions. And what they found was that those decisions were being made, um, what you were seeing in those trending topics did, I guess, skew more toward left-leaning news, we could say. And Facebook was criticized for that, and rightfully so. So the reaction was to then go completely to logarithms, which as we know from the presidential campaign in fall 2016, didn't work out so well for them because now they've been under a lot of fire with having so-called bad actors come in from Russia and other places and being able to um, promote and diffuse misinformation and disinformation. And so now this new turn is Facebook saying, okay, we're going to move away from that and instead have our users decide what's credible and what's trustworthy. And based on what we've seen in the news the last couple of days, it's a two-question survey that users will be taking. And the questions are, do you recognize these websites? And they'll show the sites, uh, different news sites. And the other question is, how much do you trust these sites? And so based on that, then they'll be making decisions about which news gets shared um, and which is seen as more credible news. Lindsay, do you like this idea? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'll have to be careful as I talk about it because it makes me want to curse. <laughs> I can't do that here. I think it's it's laudable to try to democratize access to information. What I'm seeing Facebook do is try to crowdsource the meaning of truth with a capital T and journalism with a capital J. The definition of journalism, what journalists have tried to do, is not different than what we've been doing for decades and centuries, really. Um, it's just that now we do it online. Uh, and what Facebook is attempting to do is a struggle for people like me who, you know, I run uh, the St. Louis Public Radio Facebook page. So our page is technically a publisher. And what's going to happen is Facebook wants to ding us for if somebody if somebody interacts with our page as a person, that interaction is less valuable in this algorithm's eyes than in Facebook's eyes as an interaction between two people. And on the surface, that sounds smart, two people talking to each other, especially if they're in the same network, if they're sisters or they're friends. Um, of course, that meaning that interaction is going to be more meaningful. Um, but as Amber was saying in the fall of 2016, what a lot of people learned is when I become more connected to my family members and my friends from elementary school, uh, there's a reason I don't talk to them anymore. Mm -hmm. Often we have very different political views or very different societal views. Um, and what what has happened, especially as Facebook and Google take advertising revenue away from journalism sources, is is all of the eyeballs go to Facebook. You know, Facebook has this huge hold over our audience. And the idea that Facebook is not only going to hold our audience, hold advertising revenue, which has traditionally funded Facebook, or it has traditionally funded journalism, and then now get to pretend to, they're trying to take over the gatekeeper role. And that's a real struggle for, for me. Uh, Amber, isn't this a setup for continued manipulation? If they're having, if they're having visitors to the Facebook page uh, make these decisions and these critiques, I mean, you can set up phony accounts 
all day in Facebook and, and, and therefore make the uh, results somewhat lopsided. Absolutely. What Facebook is doing here is they've, they're basically abdicating judgment. They're saying, okay, well, we got, in, we got in trouble when we had actual people making these decisions about trending topics, and we got in trouble when we used logarithms. So now we're going to, as Lindsay said, crowdsource this. Um, and what Facebook has figured out is that journalism is hard. Um, you know, being objective is a very delicate series of choices that, that are made. And that's something that um, is difficult to do as a person and definitely is something that's difficult to do with logarithms. And Facebook is trying to do this sort of one or other approach um, when I think they need to be more thoughtful about you know, are there other approaches that they could do with this? Because they're not helping better democracy with decisions like this. Um, you know, what, what can be happening here is that we're also, they're also furthering the echo chamber that we experience on Facebook, where if they're setting it up where we're going to have, you know, more meaningful interactions with people, our family and friends, we tend to surround ourselves with people who think like us. And if we're seeing more and more of that in our news feeds, we're not getting exposed to these outside ideas, and we're creating the situation in which um, we're getting information that primarily is just going to confirm what we already believe. Lindsay, is it going to change the way we do business? I think so. I think that we're less at risk of seeing traffic go down than national news outlets. I think it's going to be tough for national news outlets. So I think NPR is going to have a harder time than St. Louis Public Radio. Um, I like to think that you know the idea is that Facebook wants more friends and family sharing. They want your newsfeed to be full of friends and family posts because that's what people enjoy seeing. Um, and, and studies have shown consistently that if you're, you're not seeing friends and family posts and you're not seeing things you can interact with in your newsfeed, then it hurts your well-being. It hurts your emotional well-being. Um, but for us, I like to think that we at St. Louis Public Radio are friends and family to the people of our community. Um, we run our Facebook like it's run by a person and not by a robot or by an algorithm. We have conversations. So I, I think that will help us. But it's it's undoubtedly our traffic will go down and, and across the board, all publishing traffic will go down. You mentioned NPR. I had the opportunity yesterday to speak with Sarah Gu, who is the managing editor who oversees digital strategy for NPR. The question I had for her when we began the conversation is, where are we right now with this intersecting world of journalism and social media? The interesting thing, is, as many of your listeners know, is that Americans' habits for how they consume news has been changing. And three-quarters of Americans now get their news from social media. Um, according to Pew Research Center, this is you know, mo- mostly driven by Facebook, and it's a trend we've seen grow every year. And at the same time, you have news organizations that are really struggling to meet the audiences as the news audience habits change. So they have to be there, and we at NPR are no exception to that. Um, and, and Facebook uh, announced, um, as you know, these big changes in how they're going to approach the news content that people see in their news feed when they come to log in on Facebook. Um, and they said that those um, news stories that were so hard to escape during the presidential election last year, um, news is going to be um, less important in ranking of what appears in, in the feed. Is this going to eliminate fake news? <laughs> it's one way that Facebook is trying to address the problem. Um, I think they've had a real evolution in their thinking over the past year, They also are under pressure from folks in Congress who uh, feel that they need to take more responsibility for the stories and the content that appears on Facebook. And, you know, Facebook is trying to walk this tightrope where, on one hand, they um, know that 
uh, news is engaging. People respond to it. People react to it. They have strong feelings. On the other hand, they don't view themselves as a news um, platform. They don't view themselves as a media company, excuse me. So they have to draw that line and walk it very tightly. At the same time, they have to maintain good relationships with the news media, um, like NPR and other news organizations uh, are dependent on them for for audience, um, for making sure that we're in front of um, our audience on Facebook, uh, speaking for NPR, as we are on the air. What does that uh, relationship mean for NPR? I'm not sure that everybody listening would totally understand that. How do NPR and Facebook uh, uh, interact? Well, at NPR and in St. Louis and Public Radio, you know, we're not just producing stories for radio. We're also writing a lot of our stories because you know, when people now wake up in the morning with their phones, they often want to read. Um, so we have important stories we want to tell. You know, journalism is at the core of what we do. And um, so we do have built a pretty big audience for readers um, through our website and station websites across the country where people need that information just in a different format. And Facebook, primarily what people do there is read. So um, we have to make sure that we're building an audience. We try to get people to like us on Facebook, so to speak. That means that they're going to see um, more of our stories when they open up their Facebook page. And um, we also, it's a great way for us to hear from them. They can comment on the stories. They can say if they liked it or if they didn't like it. Um, they can provide feedback. And indeed, we find a lot of ways, creative ways, um, for them to participate in the news. So, for example, we may say, there's a hurricane. Tell us how you're being impacted. Tell us what you're seeing out there. And we can use that crowdsourcing through Facebook to hear um, from people on the ground. It's probably too early to tell. It certainly is too early to tell. But is, is what Facebook doing a, a good thing, do you think, or for NPR and for others or not? Well, I think it's concerning that to know that Facebook has said that this change that they have made will result in people seeing less news in their feed. However, they also are trying to figure out a way for people to see news stories that are more from organizations that are more trusted. Now, NPR is among, um, in other polls, we know that it ranks very high in terms of, um, you know, people, America's trust in the news among news organizations. So I hope that that won't impact us too much. But to be honest with you, we don't really know. I mean, Facebook and its algorithm and how it works and what you see in that news feed is, is a real black box. Um, they aren't going to tell us, they said, how that ranking, so to speak, among news organizations um, will play out, where we stand in that. So, um, and, and I don't think it's transparent to the public either. What sort of adjustments is NPR going to have to make to, uh, you know, accommodate this, you know, this new world? Well, luckily for us as a nonprofit organization and really one that depends more on donors to local stations, we aren't as financially tied to Facebook as some other for-profit news organizations are. You know, our revenue model is not really built around clicking on news stories and then um, serving up advertisements on those platforms. I think, to be honest with you, that's a really good thing. So for us, we're not planning to do anything differently for now. We do want to monitor it really closely and see if, um, you know, our audience is not seeing as much of the news from us on this platform as 
we have seen in the past. And um, But, you know, the stories we cover and the news we cover, that won't change. You know, Rupert Murdoch had an inter- interesting proposal a few days ago. He's proposing that Facebook should pay uh, those publishers that it trusts a so-called carriage fee to publish material. What do you think of that? Well, you know, that's interesting. I, I think that's a provocative idea because on some in some ways, news organizations feel like, hey, we're letting you um, own the audience. You are taking our content and serving it up to the audience, but what do we get in return? And in a way, it can feel like a lot of news organizations have created stories or based on how Facebook operates and what they know the audiences respond to. So those you know, teaser headlines you see um, without a whole lot of substance behind them is a good example of new upstart organizations that have tried to game the system. So paying for quality um, content, paying for news that people trust um, is, has been an increasing theme over the past several years where you've seen um, a lot of news organizations move to that model and see people are willing to pay. For quality. Would you suspect that what Facebook is up to, aside from its in- intention to kind of purge the uh, purge the site of, of bogus news, is really trying to lure back uh, young visitors? Because the information I have is that young young visitors are leaving in droves. Um, you know, it's interesting. Facebook's audience really represents um, America in a lot of ways. There's a lot of um, uh, older. Americans on Facebook. They want to keep in touch with their families. I, I know they are struggling with the younger generation that finds a lot of other social media platforms more attractive, like Snapchat or Instagram. Um, I think Facebook's real goal is they want to keep people on their site, and they want to keep people engaged on Facebook, and, and they're struggling with how to figure that out for um, so that their platform is as attractive to the next generation as it has been for um, for those of us who grew up with it. You know, the, uh, the, the, I want to talk about the partnership, uh, and I don't understand it fully, the partnership that, that NPR has had with Facebook. Uh, I assume that that continues, but, but how does that work? It, it deals with the uh, video consumption, doesn't it? Right. So, um, you know, NPR, like a lot of news organizations, has um, partnered with Facebook to try different experiments with the kind of news and stories that people see. Um, One way we did this is um, a year ago, we um, joined a, a video project with them. And for NPR, it was really exciting because the idea was that Facebook would provide some financial and material support, and we were able to hire um, a small video team to try to imagine what does NPR look like on video? What stories would we tell? And we went out and did um, over a 1,000 short live videos using their new live platform and took it in, put it in correspondence hands all over the world, all over the country, just to see would people be interested in live video um, and joining us and our reporters as they were telling stories. And we found it to be really fun. I think it was engaging. Um, the, ch- the thing we learned on that platform and in that experiment was, um, you know, how long can people um, engage with that? And the answer was not very long at all, unfortunately. That, that's not a contradiction to what you said earlier with regard to people being, uh, I, I think you said, more interested in reading. 
Right. And that's why it was an experiment. We wanted to see, you know, Facebook, we know people read. Facebook wanted to partner with us and pose a question. What if we tried video? Would that work? Would people want to watch um, a longer video um, on Facebook in the way that they would watch um, a video on a news website or, let's say, Netflix? Um, and I think Facebook is still trying to figure out that. What, how does video, um, other forms of media, um, engage the audience, and how is that different from a reading experience? So we've partnered with them where we feel like it makes sense. We're also interested in partnering with them, and we've um, talked about experiments related to audio content. Um, and um, that's another area we are interested in exploring. So I think it's important as a news organization to have that relationship and to um, – they're a very innovative company, and they have a lot of um, interesting ideas, and we forget. But social media is still, I think, very much in its beginning years, and we have a lot to learn. Aside from what you've just mentioned, Sarah, and we have to wrap this up, uh, what other changes might you see coming? I know you're not a soothsayer, but uh, <laughs> do you see anything on the horizon that we might be looking for? Well, I am really interested in um, working with Facebook to um, figure out the answer to that trust question. It matters very much to us, and I think it's been very concerning over the past couple of years to see um, news organizations, or maybe not even quite news organizations, but new digital websites that pretend to be news organizations um, offer information that, or disinformation that really makes it hard for those of us who spend day in, day out trying to get the facts out, trying to get the news out, and be, to be trusted to stand out from that kind of content. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Can Facebook really make any positive um, steps in that direction in a way that rebuilds that trust between the public and the press? That is Sarah Gu, managing editor who oversees digital strategy for NPR. We'll be back to continue our conversation about the changing social media world today with uh, Amber Hinesley of St. Louis University and Lindsay Toller of St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. We are back now to continue our conversation on the changing world of social media. With me in studio is Amber Hinesley of St. Louis University and Lindsay Toller of St. Louis Public Radio. Lindsay, let me uh, turn to you. What did you hear that struck you most about what our friend Sarah Gu had to say? I was really interested when Sarah was talking about the relationship with Facebook and younger users. Um, I have a a 14-year-old cousin that I'm good friends with, and I have learned a lot from her about how young people are using social media today. Uh, One thing she taught me was that um, I mean, she what she says all the time is that Facebook is where anybody who would get her in trouble is on Facebook and anybody who wouldn't get her in trouble is on Snapchat. So why would she put anything on Facebook? Um, she also told me that for for her friends, sending a text message is considered a very invasive way to communicate because when you spend your whole life live streaming or broadcasting what you're doing or in group conversations on Snapchat or Instagram stories, um, the idea of sending somebody a direct message is almost like walking across a crowded room and dragging somebody away for a private conversation. Um, you know, I, I also think about younger people. You know, It's said that uh, young people are more likely to know who PewDiePie is than Jennifer Lawrence. And if our listeners don't know, PewDiePie is a live streamer who who plays video games on live stream. Um, so, and you think of Jennifer Lawrence as a young person's actor. Uh, I, I think that Facebook is trying to keep 
all people, but especially I was trying to bring young people back to the platform. Right now they're on Instagram and they're on Snapchat. Um, and f- from what I'm hearing from teenagers, it hasn't worked before and it won't work now. Amber, how about you? What did you hear that struck a chord with you? Well, to kind of um, piggyback off of what Lindsay was saying um, is that I I'm struck by the struggles that Facebook is having now. It reminds me a lot of the struggles that the media industry and the news industry and newspapers especially have struggled with for the last 15 years. And uh, Facebook has run into this now. And so now there's trust issues with Facebook. And um, it just, for me, it's sort of interesting to see them going through some very parallel struggles um, that we've seen happening in the media industry and how they're reacting um, in a lot of ways. I, I can't help but feel that they're making some of the same mistakes that media organizations made um, and not learning from the past, so to speak. Except it's happening faster. It took a long time for newspapers to get into the trouble they're in. Now it's happening faster digital in the digital world. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Where do young people get their news? We keep talking about news and fake news on, and Facebook being a, mm-hmm. a problem in that area. My experience has been is, is that People go to Facebook to kind of communicate with each other, family, and that sort of thing. They're not going there to get news, per se. Right. People don't typically turn to social media, um, and Facebook in particular, with the idea of, I'm going here to find news. Um, and that's something that Facebook has really shifted. The way that we consume news is now when, you, um, when you're looking for news, is the idea is that if it's important enough, the news will find me. It will find me on social media when I log into Facebook, and I will see what my friends and family are talking about and posting about. Um, And that's where it can be problematic with some of these new changes that Facebook is making, is that we're even more reliant now on those friends and family to be posting about important news events um, to get that information. And so you actually can run into a, a situation where we're actually more vulnerable to coming across misinformation and disinformation. So you're essentially saying, I think, that this is not necessarily going to solve the problem of dissemination of fake news on Facebook. Absolutely not. Uh, my concern is actually it's going to be made, um, it's going to be compounded because um, you're you're moving journalists even further from the mix. Um, you know, with journalists, we do have professional ethics, and you know, we are trying to get objective stories out there, um, depending upon which news outlets you're working for, obviously. Um, and with Facebook's move to focusing more on these quote-unquote meaningful interactions between family and friends on Facebook um, is you're, you're much more reliant on those people to be sharing information with you that is accurate. And we, we don't have a guarantee of that. Um, when you think about credibility is how do we define credibility? And um, so it gets us into conversations about media literacy and the importance of that. Lindsay, our situation is quite different, however. People do come to our website for news. They do. They do. And there, we have a lot of really beautiful, meaningful, uh, engaging interactions around the news that we produce. I'm thinking about, we just did a story about a school board candidate who has posted some really controversial stuff on social media. Parents are calling her posts uh, offensive, racist, stuff like that. And that conversation uh, for the for that school district and for those parents and voters in that school district is incredibly important and engaging. And they're basing that conversation on our reporting. Our reporting is giving them the facts that they then use to, to figure out their opinion. And I can't think of a, of a more important way that the news interacts with the public in terms of giving people information before an election. Um, but if if, as Amber was saying, if people have to wait for their engaged friends to find the news for them, you know, Facebook is pretending like they're trying to be the gatekeeper, but really they're trying to turn the keys over to, like, 
you know, the the uh, the ladies in your neighborhood and, you know, the, the people in your social circle. Um, you know, those aren't the people that I want deciding what news I see and don't. I still don't quite fully understand why we're concerned here as an, as an operation about Facebook when we're providing uh, genuine news. The difficulty for me is that so much of our referral traffic comes from Facebook. So much of the eyeballs that are that are so many of the people who are reading our stories or listening to our stories find us on Facebook, um, and when they want to talk about it, when they want to talk about our stories, they're not necessarily doing that in the comments section of our website. They're doing that on Facebook. They're doing it in private groups or on each other's profile pages. Um, so not when I come into work every day, I can see who's on our website, what page they're on, how far they've scrolled down, how much time they've spent on that page, and that all uh, very much influences what I do. But also I can see where they're coming from. Sometimes they're coming from Twitter. We have a really strong Twitter presence, and we're going to keep growing our Twitter and Instagram presence online. Sometimes they come from Reddit. Sometimes they come because of our email newsletter. They've emailed the stories around. But a lot of the time they're coming from Facebook, and we've invested a lot of attention into growing our audience there. And the idea that Facebook now wants to come between us and our audience uh, is frustrating. So will the relationship that we have as it is now remain? You mean with Facebook or yeah. with our users? Yeah. With with Facebook, I think it will. You know, we we have some uh, we have a liaison at Facebook. So when we have questions about what Facebook is doing and how this is going to work, we're able to send it to an actual person and get a real response. Um, it's not Campbell Brown. We're not a big enough um, news organization to get all the way to the top. Um, but we're, we are we're able to ask questions, and all our questions are being met with. Um, Answers like, well, we, you know, we we don't know yet. We, we will see. The the big struggle that I have with when we talk to our, our Facebook representative representatives is that they're not able to tell us what's going to happen with or, our organic, uh, you know, conversations and interactions with people. But let me tell you, if we pay money for our posts to go in your newsfeed, they will show up there. Mm-hmm. How much money do you want to get? Do do we at St. Louis Public Radio want to give to Facebook because that is the way, the guaranteed way to get our news in front of you? And that that is a struggle for me. I would much rather people see the news that came up because it's what they're interested in or what or what people are interacting with. Amber, what's your take on that? Well, actually, before I came in today, I went and on my Facebook page, went to the news organizations here locally that I value getting information from, and I changed my settings for those so that I will continue to see their posts. And so if you are an active news consumer and you take the initiative, you can ensure that on your Facebook news feed, you will continue to see posts from news organizations. But if you don't change those settings you are going to see fewer and fewer posts from news organizations. Well, and can I say, I I, I did that. I changed it so, so that I would have um, St. Louis Public Radio and then it's a couple of other news organizations at the top of my feed, and they still don't come. Mm. I, I went to my news feed yesterday to see how far I had to scroll to find a news story, and I had to scroll... I mean, I, I listed the top the, the top ten posts on my feed. None of them were news, even though I have three news organizations that are in my that are closely connected to me in my network that I say I want to see first at the top of my news feed. Mm-hmm. The first news story that came up was a was a national story that was in a Facebook group. And the only time that I saw our content was our reporter, Jason Rosenbaum, has a a Facebook album of pictures of people that he has on his podcast, and he had added a picture to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it took me. I had to go through maybe 50 posts before I found something that was actually a news post. And it wasn't something I posted officially on our site. It was something that a reporter put in a news album, a Facebook album. Amber, how is this likely to affect or or is it affecting yet um, other social media organizations, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, and and those others that have been mentioned? Well, 
those those organizations aren't seen as much of a, as media organizations yeah. as Facebook is, and so I think that's how why. About, how about Twitter? Uh, Twitter too, right? Um, and but Facebook is huge because that is where a large majority of people say that when they're getting their news online, that's where it's coming from, and so that's why we focus so much on Facebook. Um, if you look at the differences, it's. It's phenomenal the difference between Facebook and Twitter. We talk about Twitter is, you know, they're they're in second place for getting us information. It's about twenty five percent of people mm-hmm. get news on Twitter, compared to mm-hmm. about eighty percent on Facebook. So that's a huge difference. And so, you know, while we still look at Twitter, um, and from research perspective, it's actually a lot easier for me to do research on Twitter than it is on those other platforms. Yeah. Um, but that's not a that's not a not a phenomenal source of news for people like it like it is with Facebook. And so that's why we, we focus so much on it. A technical question, because the, the word has been used a lot today and is being used a lot, and a lot of people don't understand the word. Algorithm. What is an algorithm? Right. I, I even have trouble pronouncing it. I mess up so uh, I. The, the pronunciation <laughs> of it a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's basically kind of this... Um, trying to think of like a, a good way to describe it. And it's kind of tricky to think about it because it's this, this mysterious formula mm-hmm. that companies like Facebook use to say, well, that's, it's proprietary. It's our, it's our algorithm for how we're figuring out what shows up in mm-hmm. your feed and when it shows up and things like that. Um, and it's based on a lot of, you know, complex math and they're looking at different factors and things like that. Um, but what it basically comes down to is mm-hmm. they, they can control what we're seeing and not seeing based on, what this mysterious math is. Sarah Goo called it a black box, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, Absolutely. And that's probably as good a way <laughs> as, mm-hmm. as anything to describe it. Right. Okay, where are we going? Lindsay, where is all of this taking us, do you think? I'll tell you, any social media manager who had put all of their eggs into the Facebook basket is not worth their salt, and that, and that that's just been proven now. So anybody who's been interested in social media has known that you know, eyeballs are going to Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter much more than they're going to, uh, or, you know, in a growing, growing numbers. Um, so we're definitely looking there. I want to bring here at St. Louis Public Radio, I want to bring an increased focus to our e-newsletter. I think that people really find digital content valuable when it's packaged for them and then presented to them, like uh, Amber was saying, where they are and often where they are is in their in- inbox. Um, I mean, we're working on, we're working also working on search engine optimization, headline optimization. We're working it on all of the digital tools we possibly can. Uh, at the end of the day, we know that our Facebook interaction will decrease um, which, which is going to be which is going to be tough, but we're we're having conversations in so many other places that we're just going to amplify those first. What do you think, Em? Where 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 are we going? Well, it's, I think Lindsay's absolutely right in that we have to we can't look at media as being a single delivery platform anymore. You mm. you don't generally go out and pick up the newspaper or you don't make that appointment to stand in front of the television at five o'clock and watch the evening news. Um, you know, it's we we want news when we want it, how we want it. And so figuring out how do we reach those multiple audiences when they have different news diets and different news needs at different times of the day. And so what I want to be reading as I'm thumbing through the lunch line uh, is different than what I'm wanting to take a look at when I'm in bed at night, you know, so to speak. And so that idea, though, that you have to have this multi-point strategy um, is absolutely right on. And that's what you were we're teaching our students who are these burgeoning journalists, and that's because it's what we're seeing people in the field having to do. Does the time of day matter uh, with the, in connection with what you're going to find on, on Facebook or anyplace else? 
Well, sure. I mean, if you just scroll through your your feed on Facebook, at least when I scroll through it, it's, um, you know, in the mornings is, I see different types of news that are showing up there. Then what I see when, you know, at lunchtime, it's typically sort of lighter fare, what you want to read over lunch um, versus later in the day. And I'm sure that Lindsay sees that as well with what the decisions you're making out in terms of strategy with what you're pushing out on social. Big time. It's a big part of my job to figure out what's going to go up when. When is the, a big question. So the algorithm of, for Facebook is also making determinations based on the on the time of day. Big time. I have a, I have a lot of rules that I that I lay out for our Facebook um, strategy. You know, one rule is I don't post any stories within an hour of each other, or you can't post the same URL within 24 hours because then Facebook thinks you're spamming. There, I, I've always been all these little rules and ways to game the system, um, and now they're just adding to it. One final question as time winds down: uh, Is Facebook on the way out? I think it depends on who you ask. If you ask my college students, yeah. a lot of them don't even have Facebook accounts anymore, or they use it very sparingly to interact with mom and grandma. Um, they're on Snapchat and they're on Instagram. And so I think one of the challenges is for news organizations to be thinking about those are very different platforms than Facebook, and you're mm -hmm. not sharing URLs on those. And so how do we get people interested in our news and what we're doing? when these are very different platforms than what news organizations have been used to with Facebook. Mm. What do you think, Lindsay? I think Facebook is paving the way for the next big thing, and I can't wait for that next big thing to get here. We'll call it MySpace. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for being with us. It's great talking to Amber Heinzley. Great to see you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you for being with us. And Lindsay Toller, thank you. Yeah, I'll get back to work. Yeah, back to work. <laughs> Amber Hinesley is Associate Professor of Communication at St. Louis University. Lindsay Toller is St. Louis Public Radio Engagement Producer. Our thanks, too, to Sarah Gu of NPR. Coming up, where does the organ stand in the world of religious music? This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.